0: Hi there paula eman here with a heart full of love for you and a heart's desire to encourage you to endure this short life with joy and hope by the grace of god for the glory of god what a privilege it is to run the race he has set before us it's not without hardships but it's also not without the example of the perfect one jesus remember believer to keep your eyes fixed on him He endured the cross, but is now at the right hand of the throne of God. His pain had a purpose, and that was to restore you to a right relationship with God. Such amazing grace. This podcast was made through the awesome Anchor app, which is a super user-friendly app that helps you create your podcast from the ground up. Highly recommend. Now to Episode 6, Going Forward by Looking Back it's my honor today to have christine greens join us she and her husband dan have served the democratic republic of congo together for 39 years when my husband and i were ministering at a small church in rigby idaho christine and her husband dan came to tell us about their ministry and service in africa i was so inspired by dan's enthusiasm and zeal for the lord I was also very touched by what I knew had to be incredible sacrifices the Greens were making on a daily basis. Well, fast forward over 10 years to when I started planning this podcast, I made a list of people that I wanted to interview for the purpose of encouraging all of us to endure. Christine Greens was one of the first names I wrote down. Well, with me living in Utah and her living in Africa, I thought the chances of it actually happening were pretty slim. Fast forward again, two months after I made my list, my family and I were visiting the church of some of our friends one Sunday, and who do you think I saw sitting a few rows ahead of us? Christine Grings. I couldn't believe it. I had no idea she and her family were going to be there that day. To make it even more amazing, we were wearing the same dress. (laughs) I was like, okay, this is meant to be. And then to make it even better, we figured out that we both share the same birthday. So Christine, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'd love our listeners to get to know you. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about where you live?
1: So, most of the time, we live in the Democratic Republic of Congo, where, as Paula said, we've been missionaries for 41 years. So, we live actually in the capital city of that big Congo country that's right in the middle of Africa. And so, that is a bustling city of about 91 million people. Well, that's the population. Of Congo, but the city itself is almost twenty million people.
0: Wow! So, as far as your living quarters, your living situation, what where are you living? I know so often when we hear Africa, we automatically or I automatically think some kind of hut or something like that. What's your living scenario?
1: <laughs> in a, a nicer section of town with a regular uh, brick home. Uh, most of the all of the buildings, basically in Congo in the cities, especially are made of brick. it's a brick home we have a big compound but we do live with uh, tall cement walls with barbed wire on the top of them uh, guarded fences and gates and we have guards it's a very high crime city Um, we do have electricity probably 75 percent of the time and we have uh, no running water that comes from the city but we were able to dig a well so that helps with our living there
0: wow so of course, I would love to go there someday. I, I tell you, every time a missionary comes to any church that I'm at I and they show their video, I'm crying at the end of every one. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's the new country I want to go to. <laughs> and I know every country is filled with sinful humans. So I know that every country has issues. But I tell you, you just uh, you just get inspired by missionaries and what they're doing and just the focus on the gospel and everything like that. So Congo is where I want to go next.
1: <laughs> Very welcome to come.
0: <laughs> so, um, the way we want to start by getting to know you today is, can you just tell us your growing up years, your background, and kind of the 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 start of Christine Greens?
1: Okay, I grew up in actually Sandy, Utah. We attended a local church uh, religion, but when I was twelve years old, I was invited to a little mission Baptist Church, and that is where the first time that I heard the gospel at a ana program. And so the Lord used that to, show me my need of salvation and my need of knowing that um, it is not by works of righteousness that I have done, but according to his mercy that we're saved. That was so significant to me, uh, having gone to a church all of those years where it depended on my own works, but God was gracious to me and I accepted Christ as my savior. And from that point on, the mentors that I had in my life were a huge impact on me and introducing me to um, the word of God and how to memorize the word of God and really encouraged me to go to Bible college. And so, um, in the late seventies, that's where I headed was to Bible college in Denver, Colorado.
0: That's tremendous. I love the, just the, the trajectory God puts you on, you know, and just surrounded you by mentors. And I, I don't think we can, um, highlight enough the power of God by using one life to touch the life of another, and then just how many lives just that one life can touch, so thank you for mentioning the significance of mentors, and of course, your mentors were the best mentors because they were pointing you to the Word of God, so it, it just always goes back to the power of the Word of God and what it can do in a life, so... That's right. Thank you. (laughs) So um, where are you originally from? You said Sandy, Utah. Perfect. And um, now can you fast forward and tell us about where you met your hubby?
1: So it was that Bible college that Dan and I met. Um, I had already been attending there when he came. But about nine months before I met him is when God really started to speak to my heart about missions. And so I, before I met Dan, who grew up in the Democratic Republic of Congo, so he was a missionary kid. And he was headed back to to the Congo. At that point, it was called Zaire. But God had already been working in my heart about being willing to be a missionary. And I was still struggling with the whole idea. And I especially had it in my mind that I did not want to go to Africa. So when Dan and I started to date and he talked about Africa continually, um, I started to have a lot of doubts. And I can remember one night in particular um after we've been dating for several months i just looked at him and i said you know i really don't think i could live in africa Mm -hmm. and he pulled the car over to the side of the road and he looked at me and he said you know i'm looking for a wife to take back to africa to serve alongside of me and if you don't think we can you can do it no use wasting our time here yeah so he knew where the lord was leading him and you know when i finally said to the lord okay lord even africa if that's where you want me i'm willing to go then i have peace but Mm -hmm. when we start putting um restrictions on what we're going to allow God to do with us. We're never going to find the peace that we're looking for.
0: And that's interesting because I think so often people, uh, even Christians uh, emphasize seeking peace first. And if you have peace, then it must be God's will. But um, that's neat that you just yielded to the Lord and then he gave you the peace. So thank you for mentioning that. I think that's good for all of us to hear. So, um, can you tell us now how long you've been married
1: so we just celebrated our 41st anniversary in september
0: okay and yeah. then you have how many children and grandchildren
1: we have seven children and okay. we just had our 21st grandchild last week
0: <laughs> little pepper joy
1: little pepper joy <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so then tell us the story of so you've yielded to the mission field even to the mission field of Africa. And then you get married. How soon after you got married did you go to Congo?
1: So we were married for a year, and then we began deputation. That was traveling around to churches to tell people about our ministry. And in um, just short of our, a month short of our second anniversary, we arrived in the Congo together.
0: Wow. And what was that like?
1: It was, I had the opportunity to go to Congo for six weeks before we were married. Okay. Which was a terrifying experience, but a life-changing experience for me. Mm-hmm. So Dan and I went together. um First of all, it was six weeks pregnant, so I wasn't mm-hmm. feeling very well.
0: Yeah, and
1: it was quite an adjustment for me. Um, even though I had been there, but to go there, I think one of the the hardest parts at the beginning was the loneliness. Sure, um, because that was way back before cell phones or WhatsApp or Zoom or anything. We would go you know, months without communicating with um, our families back in the state or my family back in the state. So that probably was the hardest thing. But we uh, celebrated our second anniversary about a month after we arrived.
0: And so mentioning family, um, I know he grew up there. So what kind of were you surrounded by his family or what was that dynamic?
1: Yes. So we worked with his oldest sister and her husband on the same mission station in the interior jungles. So that's a whole different type. When you talk about talk about living in mud huts, it wasn't exactly a mud hut, but everybody around us lived in mud huts. Okay. Um, so his family was there. So we were near his parents and both of his sisters.
0: Okay. And what was the food like? Was that I'm sure for me that I when I see anything. Food related in Africa. I think I don't know that I could do African food. What was that dynamic for you? (laughs) That
1: was a big change for me. uh, Learning to live there, you know, no grocery stores. Dan would go hunting every month. So we got, you know, fresh antelope, wild pig, uh, an occasional monkey. Um, So, you know, it was very different to learn how to cook Mm -hmm. uh, with just living off of the land. Most of what we ate came off of the land. Mm -hmm. lot of rice we ate a lot of um, just the local greens the cassava root Uh, those were our main staples besides the meat that Dan hunted and the fish we lived on a huge river so we did have a variety of fish that we were also able to get
0: okay now the one thing that sounds familiar you and I well I live in Utah now uh, was antelope were you familiar to eating with eating antelope
1: yes yes yeah.
0: <laughs> did that make give you a little taste of home every time you had antelope
1: i actually did not grow up eating anything like that so oh
0: didn't you me oh okay <laughs> so then i think you already gave us a sneak peek to my next question but um how our next question is how soon did you have your first child so i'm thinking if you were you said you were six weeks pregnant when you got there
1: that's correct. Okay. With our first child, um, we lived, I'm telling you, we lived in the interior, like we lived in the jungles. I did not see a doctor for the entire pregnancy. I showed up at a Bush hospital um, about three weeks before my due date, and we waited there, and Sarah, our first child, was delivered at that Bush hospital.
0: Wow. Complication-free?
1: Complication-free, praise God.
0: Yes, praise the Lord. That's tremendous. So then, what was it like raising children on the mission field? So, you know, people
1: have asked me that many times through the years and told me that we would love to go to the mission field, but we just can't take our kids. I would not have changed one thing about that. I am so thankful that our kids were raised in the Congo. And when we lived in the interior part of Congo, our kids had such an opportunity to uh, minister just as children mm-hmm. to the national people that we worked with. And I am so thankful for that opportunity that they had to experience poverty all around them to experience the needs of other people Um, it really changed their perspective on life and many times when we would come back to the united states on furlough and they would go into a youth group they would come out just shaking their heads Mm. know that the kids are so focused on temporal things and really don't see the spiritual need that people have all around the world. And that was always a real burden for them. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I tell you, um, I've had the opportunity to go on two missions trips, um, one to Romania and one to Mexico. And uh, the area we were in of Mexico especially was incredibly poor. And um, at that time, I don't know Romania's ranking now, but it was still considered a third world country, I do believe. And that really did have an impact on me, just... Uh, seeing how blessed we are in America and um, how thankful we should be and just the complaining should be so much more, (laughs) so much more minimal, (laughs) if that's the right way to say it. So it, what little, I think I was, so I could say I was on the mission field for four weeks and it impacted me. So I can only imagine being raised on the mission field, the, just the eternal impact it would have on you. It definitely had its
1: struggles. I mean, there were a lot of struggles with raising your kids, um, that type of area. And the kids, you know, our children had some struggles of their own that were more um, recognizable later in life. But it, I am, I am still so thankful that we had that opportunity and God through his grace has helped each one of them to, you know, embrace that upbringing, um, to be thankful for it.
0: Mm. Praise the Lord. Well, um, really the heart of what we want to talk about. And, um, just to let the listeners know, I have prepped Christine for this. (laughs) So, um, but just the thrust of, uh, my podcast is, um, just inspiring people to endure and we all go through, um, difficult times, some way more painful than others, but, um, um, a missionary to Africa is no different than uh, a citizen in the United States of America. We all go through difficult times. And I just wanted to know if there was a certain trial um, that really stands out to you that you would be willing to share with us today. Okay.
1: Well, you know, the Lord has taken us through various things. And as I've thought back on that question, knowing that you were going to ask me that, um, <laughs> it they seem when, after you go through them, they seem not as um, difficult when you're on the other side of it, Mm -hmm. but looking back on different things that the Lord took us through, besides being evacuated out of Congo for political unrest several times, but in the mid nineties, we, at that point, were still living in the interior. We had um, five children ranging in ages from 10 to three. And um, I became very ill Mm -hmm. and we had all had hepatitis. We had had typhoid, we had continual cases of malaria, and I got to a point where I was too weak to get out of bed. So I spent about a month in bed before I was um, able to be evacuated, medevaced out of that area back to the capital city, and um, leaving there not knowing if we would ever be able to come back to our mission station because I was so ill at the time um, was very difficult and hard for our kids and so we did come back to the united states and um it was a rough time for me in many ways because not only was i physically sick but it led me down a path of depression uh, almost to the point of suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. and i struggled so much with that because either i put the pressure on myself or i felt it from other christians that if you are a believer walking with the lord filled with the Holy spirit, you are not going to feel that way. Mm -hmm. You're not going to feel depressed. You're not going to be struggling with um, OCD or any of these other things that I was having to deal with. When I finally, as I finally, you know, gained my strength back physically, I was still struggling emotionally. Um, And that was a really difficult time for me because although the doctors were encouraging me to take some certain medications that could help me, I felt like as a believer and as a missionary that I should not be feeling this way. And so I struggled with that until um, I got the kind of counseling that I needed that really helped me understand that it really doesn't have always that much to do with our spiritual side of us, but the physical side of it can have such a huge effect on us. And there was a lot of trauma that went on with our kids being sick all the time and my husband traveling so much and being alone on the mission station at that point where we were at. And so I, you know, that was, it was difficult, but I am just so thankful that God um, brought me through that, not only physically, but also just to realize that his faithfulness, that even though um, we didn't know what the future was going to hold for us at that time, we could look back and see how God had protected us and led us and and strengthened us when we needed it to get through those difficult months especially when i was very very ill and the doctors told my husband you will never take your wife back to congo oh wow some has totally shut down you will never be able to go back there
0: wow. but god mm-hmm. the
1: god wasn't finished with us yet and yeah. he um really just showed us through uh, over the next two and a half years that we were in the states that he wanted us back in the Congo, mm-hmm. but we had been back in the States um, just a little over a year when civil war erupted in Congo. Mm-hmm. Our mission station was completely looted. Mm-hmm. So everything that we had, our Bible Institute, our schools, our our um, clinics, our maternity ward, our houses, everything was completely looted. Mm-hmm. And, um, so there really was not a home for us to come back to. But God knew that, God knew that health-wise, that was not the place we needed to be. Yeah. And we had already been saying to God, you, you really don't want us to move from this area, we, we're going to have to start all over again, and how is this going to happen? But God has a way of working out his plan yeah. um, that is not always in our sights. Yeah that's exactly what he did he took me out of there when and our family out of there when i was so ill and then he took away all of the things all of our possessions and everything our ministries that we had there that we were involved in and yet through that strengthened the local group of believers that were there in all of that area so that they stood up and took hold of what god had done there and carried on the work And that was such an encouragement to us Mm. just to see that God's word was not going to return void regardless of the amount of um, looting or killings and things that were going on during that time that God raised up these men that loved him and knew him and they have continued on the work there. Mm. So we were never able to go back to live in that area.
0: Okay. Hmm. It was at
1: that point that God moved us then to the capital city of Kinshasa.
0: Okay. Wow. Well, you've just said so many things and I I'm uh, writing as you talk because I don't want to miss anything. But um, the first thing that I want to just thank you for is mentioning your depression. And I think I think the Christian world is is getting better about this. But I think it's still something that almost we feel like we need to tiptoe around. Mm -hmm. And I find that so unfortunate because the Bible doesn't tiptoe around it. I mean, as you were talking about even suicidal tendencies, I think of Elijah, you know, and after he had gone through that amazing um, encounter with God there on the mountain and um, how God, you know, (laughs) licked up all of the water around the altar um, with the all-consuming fire and um, how he had shown those um, prophets that God is all-powerful. You would think he would have been on a high, but mm-hmm. he went into deep depression and, um, and how so often, uh, when we've been involved in, in the ministry and had some, some highs and just regular ministry days, it is often followed by depression. And, um, and, I was thinking too, of King David. I mean, you cannot read the Psalms and not know that David struggled with depression I mean, what are the verses? Why are you cast down O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? And then his hope is hope in God. (laughs) And I shall yet praise him. And so I feel like I haven't ever studied the Psalms to figure this out, but it's almost like every other Psalm is he's really sad. And then the next one, he's hoping in God. And then he's really sad and he's hoping in God. <laughs> so um, so thank you so much for just bringing up that you struggled with depression. And I know you and I started talking about this before we even started the podcast today, but yeah. Um, It's so easy to idolize missionaries and just to think they're, you know, the Navy Seals of the Christian world. And they're just, you know, the cream of the crop that just (laughs) winning souls to the Lord every day and just never struggles. But you just you put your pants on just like everybody else does and your flesh and bones just like everybody else does. So thank you so much for just sharing that with us. And um, and the other thing I just wanted to highlight was we have a phrase, uh, my husband and I, that God is the ultimate chess player. And I just think about how you said, uh, you were just so sick and your children had been so sick and you had to leave. You had to get out of there. And, you know, God doesn't speak to us in an audible voice. Anyway, he often speaks to us through our trials and our circumstances. And that was how he got you out of harm's way. And I'm sure it didn't feel like that when you felt like you were, you know, possibly at death's door, you didn't feel like you were safe. But that was a good shepherd just leading you to a safe place where you could heal and recoup and spiritually regain some ground That's very and, true. in the lives of those locals. He was also being a chess player and moving in their lives and strengthening their faith and um, and their resolve in God. And so I just I, I, I always marvel and. You know, you would think after you've been saved for a while, you would just in your trials remember that, oh, yeah, God's just making an incredible move for his glory and my good. (laughs) But I don't always think that.
1: (laughs) See the future. And uh, so we just have to take one step at a time and trust that he is leading and directing and uh, working things out for his glory.
0: So besides um it sounds like you got wonderful, excellent um counseling through those just dark, dark days. Was there a Bible verse or any truths that also anchored you or that your counselors used to just encourage you to keep pressing on?
1: Well, I have I could say is my life verse is Ephesians 3.20. And um it says that now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Mm-hmm. And the verses that precede that talk about us coming before the Lord and him granting us the strength through the spirit for whatever he brings in our life and um, that Christ will dwell in our hearts through, our, through faith. And so those verses before that lead up to verse 20 that God is able to do more than we would ever ask or think and this verse has been so precious to me through so many years that I look at a situation or I look at our circumstances and I know that God is going to do abundantly above anything that we could even begin to imagine in our lives and that has always been such an encouragement to me to um to remember and to look back at God's faithfulness we look back at these things that we've been through and every single time we can say God was faithful. He did over and beyond abundantly different than we thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that has always been such an encouragement to me. And I was just recently reminding my grandkids of the same thing that we we need to not live in the past, but we need to look at the past of what God has done and his faithfulness that when we are afraid right now, We can look back and say, but look what God already did. Look how he took care of me. Look how he brought me here to this point in my life. And it's an encouragement to us because we know that God is always going to look out for what he deems best for each of us.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and I know um, I've also seen a Christian counselor and and I remember at one point she said, you talk about your past a lot. (laughs) And I was like, Yeah, and um, I know that there's verses that the Apostle Paul talks about um, not looking at the things that are behind, and I think we can get trapped in two ways of, uh, one, looking at things that we've done for the Lord and just kind of then coasting and thinking, you know, I did this, 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 I'm, I'm good. Instead of thinking, no, today's a new day. How can I glorify the Lord today? Mm -hmm. But I also think um, the devil can greatly um, just almost imprison us in our hurts of the past. And we just keep living, reliving those. And just the freedom there is to say, you know what? The past is in the past. I don't have to live in that now. I can live in the future for the glory of God and in the love of God and, um, So what a hope there is just to look forward, but I love what you said um, about looking back as far as what did God do? And I think that's always the safe place that we can look back is, yes, I went through that hard time, but God did this when I was in that hard time. And so we can look back at how he kept his promises and um, how his word um, encouraged us, inspired us. So thank you for that reminder that those difficult times, we are allowed to look back at how God got through got us through those and how he can also get us through whatever current thing we're in or whatever future thing we're going to go through. So that's tremendous. Remembering
1: his faithfulness is oftentimes what gets us through the trial that we're presently in. Amen. Remember that he is faithful
0: mm.
1: in spite of us.
0: That's good. Well, um and it may have been your Christian counselor, but, um, Was there anybody during that dark, dark time also that came alongside you and encouraged you, or it doesn't even have to be related to that trial. Is there anybody else that you've just been so thankful for that has encouraged you and pointed you to the word? So
1: probably my spiritual mentor and closest friend, Neva Barden has Mm. been the one that's been with me through all of these trials and encouraging me and uh, redirecting me in when I go down a wrong path and I am so thankful for her um, and for my husband and his support and his um, his walk of faith that shows me every day that we can continue to trust God
0: so how do you know um is it Neva you said Neva Neva how do you know her
1: so right after I became a believer at the age of 12 she and her husband Mike Barden came to Utah to work with Pastor and Mrs Clem and uh, she became my spiritual mentor
0: mm. from that
1: day forward mm.
0: so, is she oh, she's older than you I assume
1: she is yes about yes. 12 older than I am.
0: oh 12 okay wonderful and, and, and in Utah. okay and just the reminder to everyone listening again mentorship is so huge and you just don't know um, just an older person investing in a young person that's Titus too, right? The older women investing in the younger women. And I, I think that is a very, very underutilized tool, um, in church, in our churches. Um, we've just got to come alongside these young people and love them and point them to Christ. So thank that's you fine. for keeping reminding of that. <laughs> um, so, Before I let you go, I want to promote uh, the book that my next podcast will revolve around. And it's called We Two Alone, that was written by Ruth Heggie. Can you tell us how that connects with your family? Because I know there's a connection to this book.
1: So, my husband's mother and the single missionary in that book Mm -hmm. were sisters. So, not Ruth Hagee, but the other single missionary that worked, Irene Farrell, that worked with Ruth Hagee was my husband's mother's sister, younger sister. Okay. That's how we connect. And actually, when I went to, to Zaire for that six-week period of time by myself, mm-hmm. reading that book as we traveled through all Ooh. of those uh, places. And so that was my introduction to,
0: <laughs>
1: to wow. what could happen in the Congo in
0: and I've already started, and I think I'm about 65 pages in, and man, it's a page-turner. And um, just, I can already tell that the faith of these two was very inspiring and encouraging and um, just amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for the reminders um, that when we are saved, it's not because of our works of righteousness, it's because of the grace of God Um, at work in our hearts and lives. So thank you for that reminder. Thank you for the reminder that mentors are important because they point us to the word of God. Uh, We didn't really touch on this much, but Bible college can inspire us to uh, take steps of obedience to the Lord. And, um, and what better way to go forward than to look back at God and his faithfulness. So uh, Christine, thank you so much um, for inspiring us to endure. And uh, we just pray that the Lord will bless you. Thank you, Paula. Thank you for having me today. I've enjoyed it. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen.